Welcome to the Vocational Education Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Dan. Welcome to the Vocational Education Podcast, everyone. Today we've got two interviews. Firstly, with uh, Sam Smith, and not Sam Smith, the singer, but Sam Smith, Samantha Smith, the recruiter. Uh, We'll hand over to Sam very soon. And after that, we've got a special catch-up interview. It's been a few years with the wonderful Lauren Hollows. Hope you enjoy these interviews, folks. And uh, stick around and subscribe if you'd like to hear more of these great little talks about the vet industry. Well, we've got someone special here at the moment, someone not so much from the RTO industry. It's Samantha Smith. Samantha, tell us what you do. So I'm the Managing Consultant for Parkhouse Bell Recruitment. So we are a um, recruitment and executive search agency that operates um, across a few different niche sectors, one of which is um, within the RTO space. Okay. And um, why have you decided, or why has the business decided to take a a look at the RTO space as a place for recruitment? What's, What's happened in the sector? So we've been around since about... Um, 2006 established in the UK, initially in the welfare to work sector over there. Um, And then we opened our doors in Australia in 2008 in the employment services sector. So that's working with long-term unemployed people with disabilities. And a lot of our clients have also got their own RTO. So they're trying to upskill their staff, their their clients, their job seekers. Uh, And so it's a natural progression for us to then move into um, recruitment within the RTO space as well. So uh, how long have you been doing it now? So... um, We've been operating in Australia since 2008. Okay. I personally have been involved since 2012. Oh, fantastic. That's a long time. Yes. And, and tell me, in that time, uh, now that you're working with, in the RTO space, where have you seen the need? Uh, where, where do the most of the um, people you're looking to recruit come from? So we often get asked for trainers more than anything, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I think good trainers are hard to come by a lot of the time. And so we... Um, I think RTOs generally struggle when they've got short courses where they need somebody perhaps two days a week for maybe nine or ten weeks or something like that. And so they've often got a pool of candidates that they would try and call upon. But generally by the time the course comes around, they've got and got a job elsewhere. So we often get called upon to find somebody at short notice who can step in. Um, so that's one part of the business. We also... Um, get asked to help with compliance staff if there's an audit just around the corner so it could be anything from an administration administrator to maybe an RTA manager or even an executive level person so both of those areas I can see a need for like outstandingly yes. um, the trainer assessor field absolutely in a lot of my work more than a decade ago we we had a pool of trainers great facilitators I should call them yeah, yeah. great facilitators but then there'd be that that one client is oh we need all this done now do you have one and we just couldn't we couldn't make it happen. Yeah. So in the process of making that happen, have you built up a large pool of, of quality people that you do have yeah. on the books? So, so we've got a huge database where we where we obviously store all the details of candidates. We've also got a large network. So we, mm. we recruit nationally in Australia and so can reach out to people if there's a need. We've also done some kind of bespoke um, talent mapping exercises for clients um, and also... Um, created candidate pools that we actually keep the candidates warm so um, we can we can create say a group of about 50 or 60 trainers depending on the need of the client um, and then we would have regular contact with those 
uh, candidates, which is mainly trainers, to just make sure that, just to find out what they're doing, to let them know um, that there are still roles there, they're coming up, just to keep them informed. And so that helps then um, RTOs manage their own um, their own vacancies and that when the courses come up, they've got somebody immediately available without having to do all that themselves. So other than the trainers and assessors, you do mention some other levels there, from compliance through to even executive yep. management. I guess I'm, I'm a bit removed from the uh, the executive recruitment space now, it's been many years. What's that process like? Describe the process for the, either the, the potential candidates and from your side. Yeah, the executive space is great. I love recruiting in that sector and in that, in that area, should I say, and we do... Um, we find that a lot of people just aren't, don't respond to ads. So, for example, we do a lot of um, executive search on a retained basis where we exclusively work for, that, for our clients. Um, and so our clients aren't actually doing any of the recruitment process. They're outsourcing it all to us. And we've done the last, so the last two retained assignments that we've done over the last couple of months have involved us doing the whole process, placing an advertisement and doing a lot of headhunting. So we then produce, um, so we'll screen candidates, we'll do face-to-face interviews with them, we'll provide them with a candidate pack explaining what the role's all about, with the position description, financial data if it's available to us, whatever mm. we can kind of put together, which would be which would allow candidates to make an informed decision about whether they w- they wanted to be put forward for the role. So once we'd um, got to that s- stage with the clients, we actually find that, um, so particularly from the last two assignments, only one of the 20 candidates that we longlisted came through from advertising. So people just don't respond to ads. Like we got 100 applications for one CEO position that we recruited for. Only one of those people made a short, a long list of 20, and even that person was unsuccessful. So the good people don't apply through advertising. We actually have to go out and headhunt them and um, kind of woo them in and, and entice them into looking at the roles in the first place because they're the good candidates. They're the passive candidates that are happy in their job, that are doing well and being successful and don't necessarily want to jump ship and you've got to literally put the opportunity right in front of them. So okay. so we don't we don't want to do the same thing that our clients could do, just pop up an ad and seek and then just see who applies. We mm. actually take it one step further. We do a market mapping exercise before we even approach anybody. So we actually find out where those candidates are likely to be working, what industries, where, where you know, which locations. Um, so we actually have got a list of people that we'd like to contact before we even reach out to them. Okay. So there's a lot of work that goes into it behind the scenes, really, before we've even spoken to anybody. Yeah. And okay. that's why a lot of clients using executive search now for those roles because it's actually a full, um, it's a full market mapping exercise and not just, you know, looking at say the five percent that might apply through advertising. You mentioned um, t- uh, advertising, so we're talking Seek and those sorts of uh, yes. things. We're not talking newspapers anymore, are we? Not really. No. I mean, we could do depending on the industry and the role, but we, yeah, it's not very often. Very rare, yeah. yeah. Um, the other outlet, I suppose, is the social media, so the LinkedIn platform. Do, do you yeah. find people, because a lot of executives put themselves as looking on, yeah. you know, in quotation marks, looking out there and, or or happy to receive offers. So is that another pathway for you? Yes, and we always, um, so we use social media platforms a lot. We've obviously already got a huge database because we've been operating for such a long time. So we use all sorts of different um, ways to try and um, reach out to people. But yeah, social media is a big one. Mm. And particularly with LinkedIn, um, you know, it's always, we always try and approach people um, and explain to them that, you know, we've identified them as suitable for um, opportunities and try and apologise for the kind of unsolicited approach and generally people are pretty flattered if you've reached out to them so we find it quite useful 
And it usually leads to further conversations, even if it's not right for that role. Oh, good, yeah. And in the executive roles, they could also be people employing. So they go, oh, well, nice of you to reach yes. out to us. And yeah, maybe so you could find someone for us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it works good. both ways. Excellent. Well, I don't want to keep you too long, but that was a, a great little synopsis, I suppose, of... of who you surf in the industry and uh, I know there's a lot of listeners out there who are exactly in one of those boats either looking for trainers or or maybe they're executives not so much even looking but going you know if a better opportunity comes along I'd be definitely interested in that so on that note how will they get in touch with you yeah so you can find me on um on LinkedIn or through our website, my I'm Samantha Smith. So there's probably thousands of oh Samantha God, Smith. Yes. So yes. Uh, it's best to contact me by email, which is samantha.smith at parkhousebell.com.au. Parkhousebell, all one word, yeah. Yes. .com.au. Yep. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Samantha. And uh, to all those listeners out there, please get in touch. This is a fantastic service. Uh, why not put yourself out there if you're, uh, if you're thinking about looking even in the next six months? Yes. Okay. All the best. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Sam. It was great to get a slightly different view on the industry from a personnel point of view. Well, now I'd like to hand over to a recent interview we did with Lauren Hollows from Thrive. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Lauren Hollows. She's been on before, but now we're live. So, Lauren, how are you going? I'm good. I'm here. I'm awake. You're awake. It's nine o'clock. I've had six hours sleep, so... (laughs) I've got a little bit of the, like, raspy morning voice. Oh, look out, look out. Um, just so everyone knows, we're here at the uh, National Vet Conference uh, still recording some of the live uh, podcasts. Uh, this might come out, I don't know, in 2022, but when it does come out, we'll, we'll be reflecting on this and saying what an awesome time we had. Uh, Lauren, you presented yesterday. Tell us a bit about your presentation, uh, what it was about. Um, So I presented on how to run a profitable, happy and compliant RTO. This is like the white unicorn, how to be the white unicorn of RTOs. Profitable? Profitable, happy, happy happy and compliant. Uh, Yeah, okay. So this is the Bermuda Triangle of of attempting to run an RTO. Um, So what was the feedback like? The feedback, look, the feedback was really positive. Mm. Um, I think that we've kind of finally come to a point in our sector where there is actually starting to be a decent amount of hope. Um, I, I feel like hope is returning into our sector and it, it's been lacking for a little while. And I loved a lot of the other presentations yesterday were focusing on how you focus on your staff, how you focus on your purpose, talking about your purpose, talking about your why. Um, and that featured as part of the presentation. And it is, it's so important that we're taking care of our staff because if we take care of our staff then our staff take care of our students and then we're really we're making the contribution to the sector that we all want to make so fantastic yeah one of the guys from Audit Express was talking with me recently no uh, Adam uh, Adam, Alex Alex okay they're awesome guys. They are all awesome guys. And, um, and and he was saying that one of the things he looks for in an RTO when he goes in there, whether it's going to be a, a good or a bad experience, is their culture yeah. and how they treat their staff. Are they in are they in a training frame of mind? Do they uh, you know promote training of their staff as well? Yeah. And um, so is that your experience? Is that how you run a happy RTO? Look, I think that's a big component of it. Um, I mean, certainly like Dan Pink's research is that in order to have to build intrinsic motivation in your staff, you need to have three factors. You need to have autonomy, mastery and purpose. So you've got to give your staff enough that they can kind of 
figure out ways to do some things on their own and have some level of autonomy, which you can't do without actually giving them a good education as to why they need to do what they need to do. You can't just tell them what and what and how. Um, and then we've got mastery, and, and that's basically that all human beings want to master something. They want to be good at something. They want to develop. So learning is this kind of very natural, innate thing that is built into all of us and particularly those that end up in education to end up in education and not have the opportunity to be educated um it's it just withers people so and then and then yeah talking about purpose so not just talking about you know what you need to do and how you need to do it but why are giving everybody a base understanding of why so that that they can prioritize and then aligning wise so that you know, I feel like why I'm here and how I contribute to the company is part of the overall vision of how the company contributes because, you know, you can't really be genuinely happy unless you're in some way serving others or serving the community. Like it's just such a huge um, part of who we are as human beings, like we're social creatures. So I think that, you know, being able to link what we do back into how we go about serving others um, you know, really does provide that fulfilling purpose. And if you work in education, that actually shouldn't be as hard as I think some people make it. Mm, did you think it's um, a, the reason is uh, they worry too much about things like um, the compliance and the profitability of the RTO and uh, are we going to be able to meet the next audit requirements and stuff like that? Compliance. Yeah, and look, and I think um, for a really long time, both the regulator and... Um, and RTOs in general have been led by this kind of culture of like scarcity, fear, shame, and that just cr- promotes this massive like blame, pain sort of scenario. Um, whereas I loved seeing um, Mark Patterson yesterday turn around and put his hand up, take accountability and go, you know what, we do have things that we need to improve upon. We're not perfect all the time, but we're working on it. And when I was speaking to several of the ASQA staff afterwards, they were representing the exact same thing. They were like, no, we're not perfect all the time. We do get some things wrong, but we're working on trying to get it better. Mm. And we understand that we need to be having conversations more mm. and like desktop audits less, which I think is really, really positive. And it was a very different side of the regulator that we saw rock up here yesterday I agree. than we have seen in a long time. And everyone responded so well to that. Um, everyone I've spoken to has gone, it was so nice to see this kind of really human side of the regulator coming through. And so we can now start to lead from like authentic daring leadership as opposed to this kind of really stressed out culture of scarcity. We've got to scare people into doing the right thing. Otherwise we may not be here next week. Yeah, they, they talked about the big stick uh, only in referring to those dodgy RTOs, dare we say. But and the, everyone everyone wants to we, get those guys out that. of the sector. Yeah, and that, those ones who hadn't uh, delivered for two, three years, if yep. whatever reason is behind that, you know, that what, what's the RTO there for? So again, we want all them out. So we, it's basically flushing the flushing the industry a little bit. Yeah. And and that's what they're for. And the other thing that really got me about his talk um, that I think would resonate with you is that he really stated, or Mark really stated, that we want, if your RTO runs towards making sure your clients are happy, making sure your students um, progress through their training and, and come out the other end, with their qualifications the way they're meant to, then the rest of it will align behind it. Your compliance will take care of itself. Now, obviously, that's not exactly right, but but it's a nice thing to hear from a regulator. Yes. And, I mean, and again, I think this is where 
Um, certainly with what with what I see across the country, the site audit process for the regulator is really, you know, it is generally really good. Yeah. Um, you know, the auditors are becoming really good at explaining to RTOs what the process is going to be, exactly where the non-compliances are. I mean, I remember sitting in audits two years ago and we kind of had an idea of what the non-compliances were going to be, but to be honest, the, we knew the audit report was going to be a bit of a shock. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the last in the last year, in 2019 in particular, uh, there has been absolutely no surprises in relation to what we're going to see in an audit report when we're having the site audits. The desktop audits are definitely um, still that bit dehumanized, and I, I think that's the reason why um, we're going to see less desktop audits. We're going to see more site audits because we've got to have that human interaction. Like we're human beings, we do have inherent internal biases and the only way that we overcome that bias is actually by going out looking at the trading that happening that's happening and and then going from there and i don't think any rto would turn around and go i have a major problem with asqua coming in and looking at what i do and how i do it like i want to i want them to see the results in the classroom um because if an rto is turning around and going no 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 i don't want them to see what happens behind those closed doors yeah, red and flags. there's something not happening right <laughs> behind those closed doors yeah no there's yeah. a reason for those red flags we were involved in an audit last year and um it was a desktop audit that we um participated in and on the report was um, a minor non-compliance followed up by the sentence, for example, as opposed to this is exactly what. And that's where uh, the desktop versus face-to-face or side audit um, kind of fails a little bit because uh, in a face-to-face you can say, oh, where exactly? Yeah. You can ask the question and the auditor will show you and then you can you know, fix it. Yeah. Uh, so I found that was, um, yeah, that was an interesting experience. But overall, the, well, according to the statistics anyway, the amount of orders being done is right down here like I was surprised to see how few it was it was around that 13% I think it was yes uh, of all RTOs in the year so that's that's quite low and only 6% or something were, were in the um, yeah. the category of mm. and I think you'll find that is going to be more that's going to be sitting more in the desktop orders that roll from things like compliance monitoring from student complaints and things mm. like that um, but yeah look I mean it's as I said we need to get back to a place of hope mm. um, we need our industry to be hopeful again and we need trainers and you know compliance managers and vet managers to be able to turn around and go I love working in this sector you know like I this is where I want to be and I'm I get up every morning and I make a difference because that's what trainers love to do actually speaking of that you um, had a recent change uh, to your business name we did yeah so tell us about that process and 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 obviously I can hear any voice about where you've sort of shifted to but you tell us about that yeah so we we've been under TAE for a long time um, and I think to be honest I just got tired of picking up the phone and going no I'm not a TAE provider Um, you know uh, I've got some great TAE providers that we work with I love Mr. Wed they're amazing Mark and Jason know their stuff Um, You guys at Spectre Training, you know, like obviously I wrote with Forward for your book. So, you know, you and Lee have got some great resources and you know what you're doing there. Um, So there is some really good TAE providers in the sector. And I'm I'm really excited to see like all of you guys really start to shine and, and be recognized as like, you know, if you're doing this qualification, you're going to be able to find some really good providers, which is great. Um, And um, I guess... As I said, I think RTOs have been surviving for the last couple of years. They've been getting by. And um, so Thrive's model is all about helping RTOs thrive. Like, I want to see RTOs really getting out there, kicking butt. I'm not going to say the the other word. Um, 
But yeah, just really, yeah, just in like really getting into it and enjoying and showing everything that they can do. So we've got a, a great new package that's going to be getting released in a couple of weeks where we come in with an RTO, we work with an RTO for a year and, you know, we look at the compliance side of things because that's important. But we also look at, you know, your business operations, what trainer percentage are you actually working on? Um, you know, are your models all set up correctly and are they are they profitable where, where are you making your money and everything like that um what does your back-end system look like so from admin you know what does your avet miss look like and then we actually put together a business plan i cannot wow. get over the number of rtos that do not have a business plan you don't have a social media plan they don't have a social marketing plan like there's no plan to grow and diversify the business um, and so we put together a plan to do that and then we do business coaching with them for uh, the course of the year to wow. kind of really help them like build and educate the entire staff and get everybody on board and start moving them in the right direction. So I'm excited uh, yeah, for that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And Australia-wide, obviously. Australia-wide, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Yes. So if someone wants to get hold of you um, to sit with you for that uh, initial meeting and then plan their year ahead, uh, how do they do that? Uh, they can go to thriveed.com.au um, or they can send us an email or give me a call. Um, but just, yeah, go to thriveed.com.au. All of our details are on there. You can find me on LinkedIn really easily as well, Lauren Hollows. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where the industry goes over the next year. Yeah, it's positive times ahead, yes. finally. It's not yes. nice to be that able to say thrive. that. Woo-hoo, hang on, we can clap. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Lauren. Thank you so much. And anybody who's looking for a great TA course, definitely here in Brisbane, head over to Spec Training. (laughs) Thanks. to subscribe to the podcast to get all the latest from a myriad of excellent speakers, thought leaders, and just interesting people in the vet sector. Until next time, this has been Dan Hill and the Vocational Education Podcast. Have a great day.